Hello and welcome to the Baseball Wisconsin Podcast. I am your host, Tim Gotzler. Now, today's episode takes us into the fifth inning of Game 4, where we sit down with head baseball coach at UW-Lacrosse, Chris Schwarz. Now, this is a back-to-back episode here with our college coaches as we continue to look at baseball across the state of Wisconsin. Um, in today's episode, um, Coach takes us you know, inside the program, his background, his path to lacrosse um, as an athlete, both as a football player and, and on the diamond, um, and has some great stories to tell throughout there. And then getting into his professional life and getting into coaching and when he took over and just what that looked like, that small stipend, uh, that part-time role that I know a lot of um, colleges started with at that time period and now have been made into full-time roles as athletic departments across the state have put more resources and finances into athletics, especially baseball. Um, Just some great stories Um, Coach goes into and inside of his program. But one we have to highlight is in 2009. And for those who remember, in 2009, uh, the funding was cut at UW Lacrosse Baseball. And I remember the story, you know, at that time period. And now I think about it, you know, if I was the head coach or if I was a player in that program, just that experience. And I, I half-heartedly joke about there should be a 30 for 30 made about that because I know there was so much that went into it, um, the causes and the effects. So um, in this episode, um, coach goes into the ins and outs of the program, what makes lacrosse uh, unique as a university, and then into the baseball program itself. And one thing I really appreciate about appreciate about Chris is just he does simple really well, and he finds and knows what wins baseball games. They've done it at a really high level recently, and you're going to love this episode. Without further ado, head baseball coach at UW Lacrosse, Chris Schwartz. Coach, thanks for coming on today. I appreciate you having me. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. Well, um, for the listeners, just kind of give us a background. Um, you know, where'd you grow up? What's your, what's your playing background? And how'd you get into coaching? Yeah, I'm not real sure how I ended up, you know, where I am today. That's, um, that's all I, it feels like, it feels like by, by chance, I, you know, over the years, um, always being involved in sport, right. And, and most of us grew up that way. We're doing something and, and obviously in the, in the world of baseball, playing ball since we were little and t-ball and stuff. Um, I grew up in Manitowoc, Wisconsin, um, about an hour north of Milwaukee. Uh, grew up in, a, I think, probably a traditional setting, playing, you know, as many sports as I possibly could from year to year, uh, playing summer ball. And, uh, um, you know, eventually went on to, to play all through high school and, um, you know, got a chance, an opportunity to come to UW Lacrosse here where I coach and, 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 and play. I was actually recruited to play football and decided that I wanted to give baseball a shot too, because I didn't, I didn't know any better. Right. And, and uh, I tried it and I, and it worked out. I ended up playing football and baseball in college. And it got, uh, got to the point where uh, they told me I couldn't take any more classes. I've, I've been here long enough. Five and a half years apparently is too long to, uh, to spend in college. Had no idea what I wanted to do. And somebody suggested I take some grad classes. Uh, so I did and started coaching. Uh, very thankful that I got the opportunity to coach with football and baseball for a couple of years. And, you know, again, I, how, I, how did I get to that spot? No clue. Just that's just what was in front of me. And, and um, I didn't want to give it up. I think like a lot of us, you know, we do, we don't want to give it up. We want to be around the sport. And, and then at that time, the, the head baseball coach uh, here at UWL was, was done. He decided he was going to resign and, uh, the athletic director looked at me and said, Hey, you want to be the coach? I said, yeah, I'd love to be the coach. And he said, we're going to pay you 10 grand. And I said, you're going to, you're going to pay me to be the coach. I was just ecstatic. Uh, you know, at the time it was a very part-time position and 
he said he was going to pay me. And I said, absolutely. And, um, and I guess from there, the rest, the rest is history. There's a lot of ups and downs along the way, but um, I'm not sure how we got here, but I'm, but I'm happy to be here. That's for sure. Well, I got to go back to your, your football playing days. All right. So, so give us a scouting report as you as a football player, what position um, give us a, maybe a comparable, what type of player were you? Oh goodness. Um, I was, I was mostly, I was mostly a defensive back. Uh, I was an oversized defensive back. Um, I had some other, you know, not so kind words from roommates and so, so forth. Um, I was either a slow linebacker or, or excuse me, a fast linebacker or a slow safety. I'm not sure which one I was, but I was kind of in between and, um, but uh, anyway, I, I, I was, I was an overconfident player and only, I, I just didn't know how um, average I was. And, 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 and I think I played that way. And, um, you know, didn't really have an illustrious career. I, I um, was on special teams for a couple of years and then, uh, and then mostly played corner only because my roommate was drafted uh, by the Packers uh, while we played together. Um, uh, and I, I think I actually, I think his sister has some Menominee Falls ties, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so um, I moved over to corner. He played safety because he was way better than I was. And um, that was that was the extent of it. The best part about my football playing career is I got to play for Roger Herring. And, and Roger um, was a I mean, coach for 30 years at UW Lacrosse and one of the greatest coaches in any sport that I've ever been around. Well, let's stay there. So what lessons did you learn, learn from coach that you have with you today? Oh, I think it's the keep it simple mentality. You know, he, he had been around the game and that in you know, football in that case, you know, for, for so long, his entire life. And um, it, it, he just had a way, you know, a lot of assistant coaches were involved and my position coach was a, he's a, he's a huge mentor of mine. Um, but, but just the way he kept it simple and just didn't overcomplicate things and, you know, the, the, the fall camp, my freshman year, 1997, you know, I go up to try and break up a pass as a, as a defensive back. And, and I wasn't looking for the ball. I just, you know, the face guarding, right. The receiver's hands went up and then I went up to try and knock at that ball. And he said, I don't even think he knew my name at the time, but he, he said, so how are you going to catch the ball if you can't see it? You know, I mean, a simple little thing like that has stuck, stuck with me my entire career. And, and, and that point on, my head got around every single time. And that was our philosophy, get the head around. Um, but keeping it simple, and that's just one example of, of, of you start overcomplicating things. And, you know, high school kid, college kid, um, you know, we don't have the time. You know, it's not the SEC. We don't have the time to, to spend eight, eight hours a day in, in film, you know, trying to figure some things out. We got class to go to. Well, let's switch it over to the spring then. So what was your, you know, on the diamond, what, what kind of position, what kind of player were you position? And I'm always curious to like, give us a scouting report on yourself as a baseball player. I, I think the, the, there's a similarity in that. Um, I didn't know how average I actually was, um, you know, and, 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 and that's exactly, you know, what I was not an illustrious player and career by any means, but um, you know, at least, you know, I, I think I, I feel like I had had the confidence to step on the field and 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 toe off with you know square off with anybody and and um, you know not not really willing to back down and and I think willing to take the risk and you know I, I did that in baseball I was a pitcher uh, you know and and in 
you know, in college, I mostly was, well, I almost all exclusively out of the bullpen and, you know, had, had some saves and, and, you know, kind of was a closer, I guess, my last couple of years. And um, that, I think that's, that's the mentality that that closer stopper person has to have is like, it doesn't matter how good you are. It's how, how do you feel about, you know, who you are and how, how short is your memory? And there's a correlation between being a defensive back and, and being a pitcher, especially a closer is if you're still thinking about the last play or the last pitch, uh, you're toast because, because there is no time. There is no time to stop and think. You got to move forward. You got to live in in the moment. You got to be present and um, not dwell on the past. We're gonna learn from the past, but we'll figure that stuff out later. We'll we'll, we'll go back and look at it, and we'll learn from it. But we got to be where our feet are, and we got to be present in that pitch. In the baseball world, we know that as you know, pitch by pitch, right? We we got to live in that in that one pitch. Well, there's so much there. So I like D back to closer. You know, out of the bullpen, like. I'm convinced, and maybe you can prove me right or wrong here, but I'm convinced that guys' playing style and who you were as a player mentally in your skill set translates to how you coach. So, like, make that connection for us. You as a player to now you as a coach. Well, it's definitely evolved, right? You know, we we go from year to year and and almost decade to get decade now, and, and, and things have evolved. And I look back at, you know, the original – the original – college coach of me at 25 years old, not, well, there's a, another similarity, not knowing what, that I didn't know anything. You know, I, th- I thought I knew everything. Here we go. I know what I'm doing and I'm the coach and I'm getting paid a part-time salary and you guys got to listen to me and, and, and a big time football mentality and, and probably overly aggressive with the group at the time, but, um, but pushed them a little bit. And I, you know, I think there was a little bit of buy-in at the time uh, we got, uh, we got we got pretty good or 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 a lot better in a short amount of time, um, but then you know then the, as the ups and downs go, um, you know we evolve and and you know here's some feedback like it's not football it's baseball and you know we got to we got to back off a little bit and then you know kind of like maybe swung the pendulum the other direction a little bit and it's it's really just navigating navigating the, the, the way towards at least what we feel like is, is who we are as a person, as a coach. And, um, it just takes some time and experience. And, you know, at the time you really don't know that it, it's going to take some time, but, um, there's a couple of rocky years in there in the middle, but we really hit our stride probably in 2012 or so, uh, when we started winning, winning some games at the, at the national level. But I guess to answer your question, the, the, the biggest thing that probably stays with me from a player to a coach is being willing to take a risk when others may not, you know, the, that fear of what might happen. Um, you know, I guess I've just lived that way as a player and, and now as a coach, it's like, then what, what's going to happen? Nothing, nothing's going to happen. It's going to be okay. Let's go for it. And you have to be willing to take that risk. And, and if, if you're not, you're never going to, never going to achieve great success, you know, by kind of hanging back in the weeds, you got to expose um, or at least put, put yourself out there and be willing to, um, to take a shot and be vulnerable if, uh, if you want some great things. So what does that look like, you know, from a head baseball coach perspective? I mean, is that situationally, is that in recruiting, is that in hiring? Like, how do you, you know, quote, put yourself out there and take a risk in your position? Probably more so in that game, uh, that game flow. And, um, 
you know, that it, the analogy and, and for obvious reasons now that we talked about it, you know, I use football and, and scheming and play calling sometimes as, as you know, that risk taking. Um, if you're going to blitz on defense, there's, there's, there's a risk reward and, and there's, if you're leaving something vulnerable, right. You're, you're, you, you blitz off the left and, and if the quarterback reads it right, he's going to find the hot guy and he might get 20 yards. But if you, but if you guess, right, there's a risk there, right. Um, you know, a little bit different in baseball, you know, our like bunt defenses and so forth aren't, aren't crazy. We got to keep that stuff simple. So we're not taking huge risks there, but probably more on the offensive side of the ball, um, being, you know, th- th- what's the goal? The goal is to score runs. And, and there's a ton of ways to do that. Um, and, and to me, there's no risk really. Well, the risk is like striking out, but just like sitting back and swinging hard all day long really isn't risky and not putting yourself out there, um, you know, using the bunt game, using the hit and run game. Um, best example of putting yourself out there, conference tournament, I'm going to get the year wrong. I don't remember what year it is. Um, I know the opponents. I won't, I won't call them out and throw them under the bus, but um, we had a kid up to the plate in bun situation late in the game. We're down by one. It's one, nothing. We're losing one, nothing. Seventh inning of a nine inning baseball game in a conference tournament setting. And we called slash and run. We just pulled back. It was like, he's going to throw a fastball. It's, it's going to be a fastball. You know, and 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 we called slash and run. We've used it. We used it like three times my entire career. You know, and and it just happened to be a guy that I knew he he got some swag. He knew he was gonna at least go for it, and and that means way more than than talent. He's willing to go for it, and I knew he would. And pulled back, got the fastball he 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 was looking for. And he smoked a triple. You know, and and now there's nobody out. He's standing over on third base. And it's a tie ball game, and you know, and we obviously found a way to get that run in and end up winning that game. I don't know why, right? You know, and I think that's probably a huge part of you know my coaching career is some people need to have the data in the in the right column, and the percentages are all lined up, and and it just that just felt right, and it, it felt like we needed to go for it at that time. In fact, in fact. Um, yeah, I remember one of our coaches at the time, um, who I think you've had on the show, Trevor Burmeister, is in my ear going, "What, really? What? Yeah, yeah." Slash, and he was coaching with us at the time, and we we're just we we're talking about. It. We got really excited about it. He was right there with us, and and man, it, I mean that I'm getting excited thinking about that moment. That's pretty cool. Uh, just that kind of gambler mentality and kind of riding that riding that gut feel. Um, I think it's just it's a great story. Um, but like, let's zoom out of your playing career, your coaching career, like give us the flyover view of, of, you know, of lacrosse baseball. Like you've been, it sounds like you spent your adult life, you know, as an Eagle. So like, where are you at right now as a program? Give us the flyover view. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's hard not to talk about the, the, the things that COVID has done, you know, to our program, but it's, that's not, it's done it to every program. Right. And we're all in this weird situation where, we're not sure how much eligibility anybody has at, at the moment because the NCAA gave it all back for the last two years, you know, and then, and then how does that affect kids coming into, uh, into our program out of high school? And, you know, it's, it's a challenging thing to navigate, but what, what we've gained, I think out of COVID is, is the, is some of that eligibility. You know, we've got, we had two freshmen last year that, um, 
that really, I mean, really just set the world on fire offensively and they're going to blow it up this spring, but they're both coming back for five years. So they're freshmen again this year. I, um, you know, I, it, we, we were, we were pretty decent um, for a while. And then, and then in 2012, we had a group of guys that um, they just decided they were going to win. Uh, you know, it's that mentality. They just decided they were going to win and a bunch of seniors and, and, um, talent aside, they just decided. And, and we won, we went to the postseason for the first time in, in my coaching career. And since then we won a lot, um, had some really, really good runs. 2015, we finished second in the country, 2016, fourth in the country, 17 was ninth or something like that, you know, winning some good games, uh, missed out on the playoffs. 18, 19 was a little bit of a bubble for us, just like a game or two, you know, on the outside of the NCAA postseason. And that was really frustrating. And, like what I'm getting to the point of where we're at right now today, and then you jump, you know, you just got to jump right over the top of COVID. Um, and now we're sitting here winning 30 games last year with, with a bunch of freshmen and sophomores chomping at the bit. And, um, you know, it feels like uh, I can't predict the future. Nobody can, but it, it feels like, you know, a group of players that's ready to go back onto the national scene and, and, and win some baseball games at, at a high level. And, um, we're going to find out pretty quick with a, a gauntlet of a schedule down in Florida. Well, you've mentioned 2012 a, a couple times now. So, you know, you alluded to you had a group of guys that just made a decision. Um, but what about you? Like, was something, did something change with you as a leader um, within your coaching staff, your leadership style within the university? Like, can you pinpoint something that you had a hand in um, back to 2012 and obviously, you know, the last nine, 10 years here? Mm. Well, that's a, uh, I, I think it's probably a pretty deep question. And I, the, the, a lot of those 2012 kids were, were around in 2009. Um, and, and it's a really deep, long story, but in 2009, um, in 2009, our funding was cut. UW lacrosse baseball was cut. And, and, and along, along with our men's tennis program on campus. And we've heard that over the years of that happening at you know, different places across the country and sometimes other sports and just cut, gone, poof, done. And, and that happened uh, to us in 2009. Our funding was cut. We were told to go home. We're done. And there were a key, a key, key few people at that time that we really leaned on that, that really pushed me. Cause I was, I mean, I was, I was a kid. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And, um, those guys that were seniors in 2012, you know, were around to be part of that in, in 2009. And, and we fought that summer and then we fought that fall. We fought that whole next year into 2010 um, to keep the program alive. You know, at the time it was kind of, well, we'll just get a year, then we'll get a couple of years. And then you're convincing people that we could, we could come up with a soft funding model that would sustain us for well forever uh, that was our plan or our thought and we did um and we've been soft funded since um but that group they were part of that i think that you know those life events those major things at some point they decided and i can point to a key couple that were really talented too uh but you know they decided you know what like forget these guys man and like we are just as good as anybody else you know and the kind of that chip on the shoulder and me against the world type mentality and um 
we we were one game away from winning, or excuse me, uh, setting the conference record for wins in any season ever in the WIAC. And we, in fact, the last regular season series of the year, we got rained on up in Stout in in, in Manami, and and we had one game that just wasn't going to get played. And we needed that. We didn't need that game to go to the playoffs. Well, we didn't know that. We didn't know at the time because we didn't know what, what we needed to do to get to the playoffs. But we wanted to get that conference record. We we stayed out in a hotel overnight as it rained like three inches overnight. Uh, and with, you know, a hope and a prayer that we're going to get that game. And those kids and the kids wanted to do it. Like, no, we're doing it. We're staying. We're getting that record. Um, so I think that mentality, you know, on, on those kids had a chip on their shoulder and they just decided um, that it was going to be that way. I, I don't, I can't tell you that it anything that I did specifically. Um, well, clearly I can't tell you how the heck I got to where I am right now. It's, it's, it's all just kind of happening, but um, you know, there, there's, there's always a plan and it's just always adjusting, but I didn't change my style. I didn't change my philosophy. If anything, I put more, um, I put more on the players as in like, this is your team. How do you want this to go? And, and they're the ones that carried us that year. I feel like there's going to be a, a 30 for 30 made one day about that story. That's, that's phenomenal. Um, well, like take us inside your program then. Um, like what makes your program unique? You know, like why, 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 why lacrosse? Why should a recruit go there? You know, what's, what's the selling point to a, to a high school kid or a junior college kid or a transfer kid? Well, the, the, the first thing is easy. I mean, we got to remember that these, these kids um, coming out of high school or, or junior college, you know, they're, they're looking, they're obviously looking to play ball. You know, we're all looking to play ball, come out of high school. We want to go play ball at the highest level. We want to get a scholarship and, and on and on. But um, there's always that, that other voice. And usually it's mom or dad or somebody saying, Oh yeah, you got to go to class too. And, and you got to get a, get a degree. So the, the easy part is, you know, anybody who's been around lacrosse, the city and, and UW lacrosse, the university, that's not a hard sell. Um, it's, it's, it's awesome here. I, I mean, just from a, um, from a physical setting and the bluffs and the river and, and outdoors and things to do, um, or, or from an academic standpoint and all the, you know, all the accolades that our, our university has gotten academically and nationally ranked academic programs, uh, whatever you want to go into for the most part, we, we have that major or minor and you can, um, you can get a high level education. So when we talk to our recruits, <clears throat> You know, we're trying to we're selling three things really, and 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 one of them is baseball. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about baseball because I'm the baseball coach and that's a baseball player, right? Um, but the the other things are the academics and the social life. And I and I when I say social life, I don't mean just hanging out. I just mean all the other things to do besides go to class and play baseball. And and there's a ton in town, the city. Uh, the city uh, on campus, you can go to a movie, there's a movie theater on campus, you can go watch a movie on campus, uh, go hiking in the bluffs, uh, go down to the river, go down to the park. So, you know, we end up talking a lot about baseball and, and you know, fortunately over the years, we've, we've grown in, into a, a, a good baseball program and, um, you know, that, that we know how to win and, and I think we know how to win at a high level and, and we have fun doing it. We don't forget about that, you know, that, it, that is, it's a fun thing to play baseball and, and hopefully to practice and train too. Um, so, you know, that's really why, um, you know, you're looking at a place, go find some place that has good baseball. Fine. Go find some place that has good um, academics. Great. 
go find some place that has all of it. And, and those places are few and far between. And, and we really believe that UW lacrosse is one of them. Well, like take us into like, what can we steal from you? Like, is there some team chemistry, some fun, you know, fundraising ideas, like some things that you do that's maybe unique in your program that us high school coaches or other coaches, you know, that are listening to this could steal from you? Well, the fundraising piece is a, is a, is a whole different episode, right. You know, over the years and, and the trials and, and, and errors that we made um, in, you know, for the most part, it, it comes down to good people just wanting to help. And, and, and we're not, we're not funding a program selling t-shirts. Um, so it's a lot of good people with, um, with some resources. Um, and there's some, there's some tricks in there too. And, you know, we've, I think become, at least internally in our department known as kind of the raffle, the raffle Kings over here in, in our baseball office, we tend to do pretty well with some cash raffles and so forth um, and get, get creative. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, from, from tricks and, you know, I'm not, I don't think I'm very tricky. I don't think I'm very gimmicky. Um, you know, I, the, 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 the real thing, you know, we went to the world series now in 15, that was, the first time and, and mostly the same group of guys in 15 and 16. And it's easy to equate, um, you know, winning at, at a high level like that at a world series or deep into a regional and so forth. It's easy to say like, that was your best group. And um, a lot of times it is. And, and I think, and this goes back to an earlier question you had about 2012. I think when I started focusing on, everything but baseball like it, it, when I really started spending my energy talking to the players about leadership talking to the players about being a good teammate talking to the group um, you know about the controllables and, and we all we know what those are but it's, it's the, the hard part is then actually doing it taking the time in a practice setting to, to talk about um, you know, your attitude and your work ethic. And those things are completely within your control, how you react to something. It's never about what happened. It just, it never is. It's always about what happens next. And that's your decision. That's your choice. Um, when I started focusing on character and just flat out, maybe easier in the college setting than the high school setting, but that kid's not a good teammate. Gone, right? There's just no question about it. Gone. It's going to be hard because that individual is probably going to cause the most problems on the way out the door. Um, but, but, you know, you can just feel it um, in a team setting. You can just feel the atmosphere lighten up and the mood better when maybe you've been losing sleep over whether or not you should do something like that, but focusing on all of that talent is a prerequisite, right? It, it, you don't play high school baseball. If, if you can't hit a ball, I mean, you're right. I mean, at some point, at some point, somebody tells you, you have to stop playing and some, some play through, you know, middle school, some play through high school, some are fortunate to play in college and on and on, you know, professionals too. At some point, somebody says, Nope, I'm not giving you a contract anymore. You're not good enough. So like talent is a prerequisite um, to playing at, at whatever relative level you're at. It's all the other things that matter the most. And, and when I started focusing on all of those things and, and character, that's, you can't, it's hard to measure character, right? And, you know, but, but um, those things, attitude and work ethic and being a good teammate, and I, God, I, that's like all I talk about. It, we, we, it is fun to talk about baseball. 
right? How to, how to feel the ground ball, how to hit a ball, when to hit and run, what do you do on a hit and run, that kind of stuff. But um, that's not what's, that's not what's going to win a championship. That's not what's going to win you a bunch of baseball games. It's um, when you have player led teams that have bought into what you've put out in front of them. Um, you know, that's, that's how you end up winning a lot of games. Well, what's amazing is doing this show. I've, I've asked college coaches, high school coaches that have won championships, you know, conference, state championships, national championships. They, they mentioned the same things like those intangibles, right? Cause like I said, talent, everyone has to have talent. That's going to get you to a certain point, but it's there, then there's separators. What you did mention though, is that high school kid. So us as high school coaches listen to the show mostly, like how can we as high school coaches get our high school kids better prepared to play at the next level? Well, the biggest thing to remember is that, is that you know, the game isn't different, right? The game is the same. Um, and, and the more, um, the more in-game, you know, knowledge that, you know, how the game flows, that, that instinctive um, uh, gameplay and, and, they're not gimmicks and not, and not, um, I guess what I'm getting at is that, you know, the, the game of baseball, um, is, is exactly the same at the college level. It just moves a little bit faster. And when you get to college, when you're, if you're trying to play college baseball, yeah, if you throw hard and run fast and all that kind of stuff, it matters, but you still have to play the game well. Right. And, um, you know, I, 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 I've never coached high school baseball, so I don't know, you know, what, what those rosters look like and, you know, from top to bottom, but, um, you know, the, 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 those players, we still look for the players that play in the summertime, the Legion stuff, as opposed to the, um, the club stuff. And, you know, as I'm, you know, talking about the club stuff and the showcase stuff, I'm sure I'm, I mean, I'm sure you've seen a bunch of, um, a bunch of your players or, or players in their area go to all the showcases and hit big numbers and, and even train. There are facilities out there that train specifically to do good at a showcase. Um, and I think the pendulum swung one direction um, in that you got to throw 90, you got to run a six, eight, you got to, um, you know, you got to do certain things at a showcase in order for the college coach to notice you. But I can tell you for, for certain, I, the pendulum has swung back the other direction in that we need to see you play in a baseball game. We need to know that you can play the game and play the game at a high level. Um, and fast doesn't equal base stealer. You know, we need to see the instincts on, on the basis to make sure you're a base stealer. Um, but um, I, you know, the, the gimmicks, the, the fads, uh, most of the time, I mean, I'm thinking of like launch angle, right? You know, I, I, think, I think that fad's moving, you know, moving in a different direction now, but most of the time, you know, at the college level, we don't have a whole lot of players that are big enough and strong enough to, to actually hit the ball with the correct angle and put it out of the park all the time. You know, at the high school level, that's, you know, probably, probably a little bit um, even more true. We, we don't have the, um, the ability. A lot of times it's the time as well, right? Um, you don't have the time to focus in a practice on, uh, on, on all those things. But um, I, you, you do have to get out and get seen. you got to go out and get seen your junior year in between your junior and senior year. And if you want to do one showcase, I think that's, you know, fine, but um, you know, you, you got to get in front of coaches and they got to see you play the game. That's, that's what we're looking for is to see kids play the game uh, the right way. Well, you've obviously had a lot of high school kids come through from a variety of different programs. Like what is the biggest deficiency you're seeing with the high school kid coming in? Like where are they the furthest behind that college speed? 
That's a really good question. Um, I think for the most part, if we break the phases down into you know, pitching defense and offense, um, defense, you know, if, if you can pick up a ground ball, got pretty good hands and pretty good feet, that, that translates pretty quick, right? You know, the ball might come off the bat a little quicker at you and you just got to take a couple more reps, but um, defense for the most part translates pretty easily. Um, you know, from a pitching standpoint, I, I, and I don't know if these are deficiencies or, or it's mostly just the transition, you know, it's the transition from high school to college and in pitchers, a lot of times we bring in some decent pitchers that are throwing pretty hard and they got some good stuff, but um, you know, outer third doesn't cut it anymore. Right. You know, we, we got to throw it. Um, we got to throw a fastball. Oh, we got to throw it on the block. We got to get it out there. Fastball in, um, you know, we got to get it underneath the hands. Um, and I think for the, a lot of times we see at the club level and a high school level, you know, pitchers are getting away with things just because they have decent stuff or just because they throw kind of hard um, and, and, you know, getting, you know, blowing balls past kids and stuff like that, but it just doesn't happen at the college level. So that transition from height for a pitcher um, is location. It's absolutely about location and, um, and putting the ball where you want to put it. And um, I think offensively that transition from high school to college is, uh, is, is probably mostly about off speed. Uh, you know, you, you start seeing real sliders and real breaking balls. And um, I, I think, you know, you're going on and play college baseball. Most of those guys can turn around a fastball. They at least take, you know, a couple, couple pitches, a couple swings, and you're going to time up a fastball and, and not be scared away by that. But um, I think it's the off speed and, and, and really, you know, pitchers have the ability to throw sliders for strike sliders in the dirt sliders off the plate um, and, and so forth. And that transition is, um, usually takes a solid fall uh, for, for most everybody, three, four weeks, if not, if not the entire year. I appreciate that. You know, I, as the, at the high school level, the high school age kid, right. has got club and high school. And like I said, you know, personal training and a lot going on, but, you know, getting into a game and, and being effective and getting in the lineup, you know, is something that we're always trying to get kids ready for. Right. And I, you get away with less. It sounds like on the mound, you get away with less. I think it's probably the best way to put that. Um, and I think that's something that high school kids just have to go through when they get to college. You find it out in the fall. It's, I got away with that in high school. I got away with that in club. And I'm at a level where I can't. Um, so that takes me into your practice planning, like knowing, you know, what it takes to win, like, and obviously different times of the year, but we're recording this at the end of January. You know, you're getting, you're ready just about starting your season, getting the guys back on campus. Like, how do you, What's your training economy look like? How do you design a practice? What is your process? Well, I, I think I'll, I'll probably make a lot of like high school English teachers proud. I, I start with an outline, um, you know, just like you're writing a paper. And, and, and we know we have a, a bulk of time, especially, you know, at the college level, we have this five-week window of time where we really can make a lot of progress. And you just start with an outline and, week to week, what are we trying to do? And, and first of all, what are we trying to accomplish by the time we're ready to play a, a game? Um, and just write an outline. And, and we have, uh, fortunately have multiple coaches that can kind of write their own outline based on their positions or um, Coach Gillitzer's our, our recruiting coordinator, but he also runs all of our offense. So he's got an outline for the weeks and, and, I, and I do all the pitching stuff. So we start with that um, and then we break it down at the end of the week, what do we, what do we want to have installed? Um, we start to th probably start to hear a little bit of football um, practice planning kind of come out in, in the way I think about it. 
we got to have this installed. We got to this installed so that by the time we get to this point, we you know can can function as a team. And it's really not overly complicated. Bunt defenses and so forth. First and thirds. I hate first and thirds. I think I, you, know, you love them on the offensive side, hate them on the defensive side, right? Just shenanigans all over the place. And and, it's, and it turns out that way in practice too. Uh, <laughs> You know, you get your outfielders running at first base and then, they, you know, put an outfielder at third, mix in some pitchers because you're, you don't have that many outfielders. And then you're trying to run a first and third and, and, you know, all they're doing, you can see in their eyes, they're just, they just want to, they just want to beat their teammate. They just want to score that run in practice and they totally abandon all the rules and, and they just blow up the entire practice session. Uh, first and thirds are horrible, but, but we got to practice them. So, you know, we, we do it. Um, Individual practice planning, you know, you, you, if you want to be good at something in a game, you have to practice it. You can't expect a player uh, to perform in a game if you haven't prepped them for it. And, and, and you, if, if you want to be a good base running team, you, you, have, to, you have to practice it. And, and that, that occurred, and that's not, that's not me thinking of that, right? That's somebody else saying that to me at a, a um, convention or something, but so we started practicing base running and, and we use that kind of as our special teams of, um, of, of the practice plan where, you know, and, well, I guess the irony after um, some football this last weekend, we look at special teams and like, Oh, geez, you kind of got to be good at special teams. If you want to, uh, if you want to win a game and in our case, baseball, or excuse me, base running is our special teams. And um, we've evolved. We're a new school base running, base stealing program now. Um, and we do, we do some interesting things over at first base and uh, it's going to be more interesting this upcoming year, but we got to practice it and we will every day, 20 minutes, um, at least sometimes it's conditioning, but um, I guess that to answer your question, we always have team D, we always have team O, we always have individual time with our defensive coaches. Um, and then what gets squeezed out sometimes is, is sometimes it's offense and sometimes it's swings. And um, I think that's the easiest thing to do in a practice is just go jump in a cage and, and hit some balls. And over, especially over the course of five weeks, we get a lot of that. And coach Gillitzer, our offensive uh, coach, you know, is always in my ear. We need more swings. We need more swings. Uh, but the bottom line and, and, and the bottom line is, is scoring runs, right? So we, you know, you got to score more than you let in. We do spend a lot of time on, on not letting runs in, um, but I think in inserted in some of those um, times where we could be just taking swings in the cages, we're doing some team offensive sessions where, you know, we're always tweaking our, uh, our bunt for a hit game, our first and third, our safety uh, suicide game. We've got some more tweaks in for this upcoming year um, just to try and put pressure on on, on the defense because we got to score more runs and we let in From a practice planning standpoint. Um, yeah, I think we spend a lot of time planning our practices and a lot of time thinking about what, do, who do we want to be in a game? What are we going to expect out of our guys in a game? And then let's practice that. Love that. One thing I want to um, circle back on is you said you, you take the pitchers. So um, are you by yourself with the pitchers? Do you have another coach with you? And if you're doing that, are you able to just got to trust your other coaches that they're running their stations and you kind of try to move around? Like, you know, what do you, what do you look like in a practice? What is, what is your, how do you spend your, where do you spend your time? Well, I, I want to spend 
Um, I guess that, well, two things. I want to spend my time with the pitchers because I was a pitcher and I like pitching and that's just, you know, that's where I gravitate to. Um, but I also want to spend time uh, walking around, you know, and, and in, a, in a perfect world, I can float, I can, I can go over to the infield defense, I can walk over to the outfielders in the cages, I can talk to guys. And, and back to what we're talking about, it's usually not, you know, how to feel the ground ball. It's usually not about your swing. It's about how'd that class go yesterday. I know you're struggling in that. Um, you know, sometimes there's, there's issues going on off the field. Sometimes it's just talking stupid, right? That's what we do with baseball guys. Even, even I'm old, but I'm still a baseball guy and we can, we can talk stupid to each other and um, just building that relationship and that rapport um, from player to coach. And that's really what I want to spend my time doing. We do have, uh, an, another coach that that specializes in the pitching area, um, Coach Hendrickson does that, and um, you know he's um, he's only been with us for a short time, so you know I still kind of mostly take care of the pitching, and, and then he he's in fact I th I think this year he, he's mostly going to take it himself, um, but most everybody, a lot of the club world and a lot of the high school coaches know Coach Gillitzer. He's out at every event and every game, like in the Midwest. It feels like I know we're expensing out a lot of mileage in the summertime, which is great. Um, and he sees a lot of baseball and, and he's been with us. Um, him and I, him and I started this together in 05. Um, when I was a head coach, he was an assistant coach, literally just looked at me like, you want to help? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, sure. And then next thing you know, 18 years later, here we are together still. So yeah, I trust him. <laughs> he, he can go do his thing with the, with the offense and 13 year coach at in the infield in and seven-year coach in the outfield. So those guys, those guys, you know, we, we talk about it ahead of time, but half the time I'm asking them what they're doing, you know, and what, what are you, what are you planning? And it's really just really nice and fortunate to have those guys, you know, we don't all have that. And, and sometimes we're working with first-year guys or, or, or anybody that will, that will help. And definitely, definitely was in that situation at, at, at times. Well, you mentioned before, like the fundraising, and right, like high school coaches are always trying to fundraise as well. So it's like, if you had to purchase something, you know, like if, if you had to, if you were taking over a program, high school or college, like how should coaches spend their money on like, what, what do we need for a, a solid practice? Like what gets us ready for the season on the baseball side? Well, I know, you know, th there's a lot of stuff out there that, wow, we could spend a lot of money uh, if we had it. You know, the you, earlier you, you said something about Repsoto and, and, and hit tracks and, you know, machines and, and technology like that is, um, in, in my opinion, I don't think it's necessary. We don't use a lot of it. Um, there's, there's a lot to be said for, a, for an overhand throwing motion with a ball coming out of it in a BP setting, right? And just, just getting those reps from an overhand BP um, and seeing the ball come out. And you know, so almost all of what we do, we do use a machine. And I think it's, especially if you're short staffed uh, and I don't know what, I, I'm sure it's all over the place, right? Some high school programs have a bunch of coaches and some, some only have a few. Um, and, and BP is an art. Goodness. I mean, if, if you, um, I, I'm not good at throwing BP at all. I mean, I've got a scar up here to prove it on my forehead from, forgetting to get behind an L screen and, um, you know, hitting guys in the, in the shoulder. So, you know, Coach Gillitzer can throw BP for about an hour and a half straight. If if you got a guy that can throw BP, pay him, uh, give him a T-shirt. I don't know what you give him, but um, keep that guy around. 
Um, and otherwise that next best investment might be a machine and it doesn't have to be a crazy expensive one, but just something that you can manipulate. And, and even if you want to do a ton of ground balls, you can fire a bunch of ground balls who in the world can fire off 50 catcher pops in a row. Like, you know, one of our assistants is pretty good at it, but he can't do that for more than five minutes. Right. So you can get a machine and just throw some catcher pops in the air, infield fly balls, you know, we know we're not getting outside, you know, and it's going to be March something if we're lucky, and then it's going to snow in April. So those, those experience uh, experiences outside on a field, like if you want to take advantage of them, that machine might be able to throw a bunch of fly balls in the air, in a, you know, at a rapid rate and get those guys, even outfielders tracking those balls. Um, so that's probably the, the biggest piece of tech I would advise if, if you have the ability to, it's not really tech, but um to, to buy something like that, that's going to be helpful. Well, you went to a place I was hoping you would like, you know, we're in Wisconsin, we're going to be practicing inside of a gym, right? I feel like at the high school level, you know, we don't, we have some turf fields, but not a lot. And like, if it's a nice day, you're probably playing a game or a makeup game. So you're spending a lot of your practice time inside. So give us some advice of like how to maximize your indoor practice space, knowing that every facility is different. Yeah, and, and you probably have in, in at the high school level more so you probably have the same guys doing different things. You know, your best pitcher is probably playing. I mean, maybe I'm generalizing, but playing short or playing center field, and and um, depending on how deep and how how talented you are, sometimes you got to you know starting catcher is your best pitcher. Sometimes I've I've seen that, and and that makes things even more difficult because the easy thing to to say would be, well, put your you know, put your infielders over there on defense and put your outfielders over there on defense and catchers over here. And, 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 and then how do you throw bullpens? You can't throw bullpens because you got you, they're taking ground balls. Um, so it, it's, it becomes problematic. You know, it, it's way different at the, at the college level and now we're mostly specializing in positions. We, you know, we've, we've got a pretty big facility that, that helps us a ton, um, you know, and, and multitude of coaches that help us out a ton. So I, you know, I, I, if you walk into practice, this is probably the best piece of advice. If you're walking into practice and looking at your assistant coaches and going, what should we do today? You're doing it wrong. Yeah, I mean, there's just no other way to say it, right? And, and I say that facetiously, tongue-in-cheek a little bit because we've done that. I mean, I've, I've been there, right? And, and you guys are most of, most of the time as high school coaches – well, you always have a job unless you're retired and then still coaching. You're either teaching at, at one of the schools or maybe you're from, you know, working out outside the school and coming in to coach. And it's not easy. My wife coaches high school. She's got a full-time job, you know, and, and, and she is like 1030 at night. And she's like trying to put together a practice plan and fall asleep halfway through it and winging it, you know, the next day half the time. So it's way harder than I make it sound, but put the time and effort in, to thinking ahead, just take the five minutes after practice to go, okay, that was horrible. What do we got to do to fix that for tomorrow? And, and then go and do it. And, and, and I would just been in that situation on in multiple different angles where we're looking at each other going, what do you think we should do? You know, and, and it's, it's, you're just, you're just, you're not going to figure it out in the five minutes as they're finishing up stretching and they're like running back towards you. Ah, I don't know what to do. Just go, go take some ground balls, go um, have a plan, make an outline, expect, expect it to snow, expect it to change. If you're indoors, you know, that the space is so limited. Um, 
you know, that just be efficient with what you're doing. Don't have 17 guys in the ground ball line. You know, that's probably, probably we all can probably figure that one out, but um, plan, plan, plan. My last question about practice planning for you is like, are you the kind of coach who, like if something takes longer on the practice plan, you're going to, you're just going to roll with it and squeeze something else out. Or like when that minute goes off and it's time to move, is it time to move? Like where, where are you at on, philosophically on that? That's a tough one. Um, because, you know, a lot of times my job um, as a head coach or, or the, you know, the head coach's job is, is facilitating time. That's if, if there's like two things that are just the, the, three things with a weird consumption of time is, is facilitating time. And a lot of times in a practice setting, sometimes more than that, finding a way to feed your players is like this weird thing that sucks up a, a hours of time on the road, you know, and we have stories of eating quick trip chicken sandwiches, spicy chicken sandwiches at one o'clock in the morning in Appleton, Wisconsin at the 2015 world series, because we didn't think about food. And the only place open was quick trip. And the ladies were awesome. They just fired a bunch of chicken sandwiches. Um, and then, and then, you know, we're all part-time meteorologists, right? We all, we all stare at the, at the weather apps and try and combine six weather apps into our own personal forecast. I got to ask you like, okay, every, every baseball coach has, if you go to this website, you know, I use weather.com and I use TMJ four, whatever, like what is your go-to weather app that, that you swear by? Well, I have to, I, th I guess it's, it's got to be the National Weather Service. Um, and I don't think their, their, WAP, their, their app is very good, really. Um, our best, we, we, have, we have an alumni that works for the National Weather Service. So it's, that's a little bit easier to say, hey, what do you got for us? Um, and, and we're like three weeks out, right? You know, like, what do you, and he just, every time he's like, Dude, can you just call me like three days before instead of three weeks ahead of time? But um, no, with the weather, weather.com that kind of comes with your phone or at least on mine, you know, that one changes, it's going to change 14 times before, before the day comes. Uh, however, the radar is really good on that one. So you got to use that one for the radar. And if you want to go out like three, four five days, the national weather service I found to be the most spot on um, the only, the only person that's been a little bit more in touch with the weather and all the different apps. If you ever want to talk to Mike Davenport at Madison college, um, he's got some off-the-wall type, uh, like underground apps that he uses. I can't even read the charts when he when we have to like play them in a scrimmage. I'm not sure what he's got going on. I but appreciate he, the, oh, the right the Illuminati, whatever whoever Davenport's working with. Well, hey, you said one more thing. You said food, what meteorologist, and one other thing's a huge time suck. What what is it? Um, or oh, time management. Um, just like, like keeping your, that's your original question. Sorry. We digressed into chicken sandwiches and weather. Um, the, um, the time management of, of practice and like trying to figure out, you know, are we on track speaking of time management as we're talking about other stuff? Um, you know, assistant coaches want to keep going with something and your job is to look at the big picture. Well, we got to be, especially in a gym, right? Cause softball's coming in behind you or something, um, and you got to be out by a certain time. So, you know, you're, you're staring at the clock and, um, the, the, the bottom line is at the beginning of beginning of my career, I was the guy like, you're out of time. You're done. Let's move on. We have to move on. The, the, the practice plan said we're done at five Oh five. Let's move on. And I think, you know, as I've evolved or maybe 
maybe matured and got some experience a little bit. It, it's it's not necessarily as crucial. And you know, if we go over a couple minutes, you just have to have the ability to to maybe flux and flex on the next session. If you're going from from a team session to an individual session, maybe we just got to cut down a little bit on that team session or um, you know, for the maybe players like it when you, you know, cut down on some of the conditioning at the end, but uh, we're in that situation, probably like a lot of high schools where we, we have one big facility and it's softball and it's track and field and it's tennis and it's us and women's lacrosse. And, and we're, you're just trying to fit, um, you know, everybody into a, a certain amount of time. And, and when we're done, it, depending on the coach that we're working with, you know, on the, uh, that's coming in. Sometimes when we're done, if we're not done and out of there by that time, like I'm in the AD's office the next day. So we've got to, you know, we've got to stick to that practice plan, at least the big picture of it. But if something's going wrong and we got to fix it, you got to stop and fix it. Cause if you don't stop and fix it, you're going to forget about it. Um, you're going to walk into practice the next day and go, I don't know, what should we do? And then for, totally forgot that, you know, that, that you, you messed it up the day before. So address it and then, and then evolve and adapt from there. Appreciate that. Hey, last question, maybe my favorite question. And when, again, when I asked Berm this question, it took a while. So, you know, it's, it's uh, bars <laughs> real high, but here's the question. What is something in baseball, in leadership, in coaching, whatever it may be that you agree with, that you believe in, that others would disagree with you on, where you might be in the minority? You know, that, that's a, that's a really tough, tough one. Um, I, my, you, you mentioned coach Burmeister and, and my mind goes to like, like, what, well, man, what was his answer? I can just imagine, you know, some of the creative things that, you know, he's been involved with over the last couple of years. I think for the most part, I'm stubborn, you know, and, and maybe a little bit of a traditionalist in, in the way you do things, the, the, you know, the, the last couple of years and we just saw um, a presenter down at the uh, convention in Chicago was talking a little bit of this analytics and the data revolving around bunting. And the, um, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know that I'm giving you the exact answer that you might be looking for, um, but um, you know, the evolution of bunting where the old school is, you know, you gotta, you know, get a guy on and you got to bunt him over. Um, but the analytics of that, the data of that is pretty interesting to me. And, you know, like the, 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 the more recent comments, you know, hearing like there's a guy in first and second with nobody out, um, you know, your gut wants to bunt, you know, you want to move them over and at least mine does. I'm, a, I'm old, you know, and that's just what you did. And, um, you know, I think then, um, the, the analytics or the data would show that that's your best time to swing and swing <laughs> It's the best time to hit. Uh, because everybody's on the ropes and, and, and you're going to score some runs that way, but, you know, playing for the big, big inning versus playing for the um, playing for the small one. Um, I, I, if I'm being honest, I don't know that we do anything like crazy that a bunch of people are going to disagree with. Um, I think our hit and run style is a little bit different than other people that, that I would probably get some pushback on quite a bit as evolved uh, over time um, and how we teach it. Um you know, we do utilize some run and hit. I, I bet you we probably get some pushback on some run and hit stuff if, uh, if if we were to kind of open that up and talk to some coaches about about the differences between run and hit and hit and run and why we run and hit. Um, and you know that traditional you know hit and run, hit the ball, replace the second baseman because he went to cover the base and that kind of thing. We don't do any of that. Um, we're really just focused on hitting the ball hard. Um, 
and squaring it up. So I, um, we don't jump on a lot of the fads, uh, you know, kind of slow, slowly. I mentioned launch angle earlier, um, you know, and, and even like some of the driveline plyo ball, weighted ball stuff we're really, really cautious about. So we're not jumping on the fads. And you know, the, the, the more recent one, you know, and, and uh, maybe it'd be interesting to hear actually what Berm did say about it. Like, you know, the, the 108 hitting stuff out of the, uh, from the West Coast. And it's kind of a, a, a fad type stuff that we've tended to stay away from. And, and I think over the years, the, having the philosophy of, you know, keeping it simple um, and, you know, it, keeping it simple has done us really well you know, and, and not jumping on the gimmicks and jumping on the fads just because I don't, I can't even think of a big leaguer, right. You know, some big leaguer just, just started doing it. Well, yeah, he's a freak really. Right. That guy's a freak. He throws 107 miles an hour. He's a freak. Uh, it doesn't matter what he does. He's going to be way better than you are. And, and me, I mean, that's just the truth of it. Right. So why are we trying to copy that guy? And let's, let's focus on what, what does it take to be the best high school baseball player? What does it take to be the best college baseball player? And those answers might be the same. They might be a little bit different. Um, the only difference is, you know, a college baseball player presumably is a little bit bigger and stronger because it has had some more time in the weight room. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the fads and the um, things like that. Anyway, so I, I don't know that I answered your question great, but, um, you know, I don't think we're, 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 we're terribly gimmicky or terribly crazy. We're just going to be a little bit more aggressive and, and take a couple risks here and there. Love that. Well, you mentioned kind of keeping it simple a few times now, and you've also referenced your age. You've been, you've been doing this for a bit here, like empty your pockets, give us some advice for coaches. Um, you know, what else you got for us? Well, it, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to, you know, most of the time you're trying to carve your way. Right. And, and, and you want to do it. Um, we have that competitive nature and we have that competitive edge and we have that, that ego, and we want to do it better than anybody else has done it. And, and I, that, that, those are good qualities to have, right? That, that mentality, that idea, that, uh, that drive uh, and that passion, those are good things. And, and we want to you know, take that and harness that. But um, you know, I think over the years, especially early on in my career, I wanted to do that so bad. And I wanted to carve, carve the way in, in like thinking that I was just smarter than other people and trying to, uh, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's, whether it's um, different ways to run defenses, different ways to, you know, like hearing people talk about how to pitch or how to hit or how to swing a bat, the, the simplistic nature of it, and then and trying to make it more complicated than it really is and, and, and taking video and overanalyzing it. And I say keep it simple. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, we use that a lot with our players because it's, because it's, you know, really it usually just boils down to, to slowing down and, um, and thinking about one thing. And, and not, and not 10 different things and trying to be the smartest guy in the room or, you know, in the, in the case of a practice setting, trying to be this, you know, the, the, so smart that the player, the player lost what you're saying 10 minutes ago, because, you know, you went on to point number two uh, and now you're on point 10 and, and really just keeping it simple and focusing on one thing at a time. Um, like I said, the bottom line is to score more runs than the other team is, is going to, and, and you got to stop them from scoring and you got to score more than they do. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm a little bit, little bit non, that's not a word, not glamorous, right? I, there's, there's not a whole lot of flash and glam when it comes to the way we do things. Um, 
we're we're going to hit the ball hard and we're going to hunt good pitches. Uh, we're going to fill up the strike zone. Uh, we're not going to walk guys. You walk guys, you're going to you're going to sit in a bullpen. Um, you know, and on defense, if you know our our, our defensive philosophy, we led the country in fielding percentage in 2000 and I don't know, 19 maybe, uh, 19 I think it was. We led the country, the entire country in fielding percentage. Uh, and if you came to one of our defensive, especially infield practices, you'd be bored out of your gourd uh, because we, there's nothing there. There's we're not we're not working on fueling the ball outside the body to the forehand side. And making sure you know we're how how we're fielding through the base. We're fielding. We're, we're getting in front of the ball and and stepping inside and making a good hard clean throw to the chest. And if it's late, it's late. But we set our feet every time. And and you know the simple things um, that I think have carried us along the way. And um, yeah, not a not a glamorous answer, I guess, to your question. But um, trying to keep it simple and 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 not overthink. And there it is. Huge thank you goes out to Coach Schwartz for taking time out of his busy schedule to sit down with us today. Um, again, loved hearing his background and the old stories and you know him as a football player, him as a baseball player, um, his mentality, how that's transferred over into who he is as a coach and just his evolution as a coach and kind of you know maturing in that role. And I can just imagine taking over a program at that age and where it is now and all the changes that have happened in the program, outside the program, in the university. And I love how much he talked about just what lacrosse has to offer. It's a phenomenal campus. It, it, it fills every need for, for students, um, the social life, the academics, and obviously the athletic programs. Um, and inside the baseball program, had a tremendous amount of success recently. And they just focus on the things that win games. You know, his words, right? It's throwing strikes, making the routine play, playing clean defense, having a full kind of toolbox of offensive weapons and, and find ways to score runs because you know that's the thing right you play in this conference you, you play in the WIAC you know, if you finish top top third of the conference you're going to be considered a, you know a top 15 team in the country you're going to be playing for that national national tournament bid the chance to win a national championship there's great players all over the state um, and just to remain competitive in that environment is really impressive so really uh, happy that coach came out with us today just remember to subscribe and share and, and pass these along as we only have a few episodes left as we eye the start of, of the high school baseball season so head to lacrosse's website take a look at their schedule try to catch a game this spring and until next episode have a great rest of your day